Good morning and welcome to True Talk. This is your host, Samar Jarrah. Ahmed and I were going to be talking about the latest that is going on in uh, Palestine. It's difficult to uh, grasp exactly what is going on unless we talk to Ahmed Jamil Azm. He's an associate professor in both Birzeit University in Palestine and Qatar University in the country of uh, Qatar. Listen to this beautiful uh, song. It's Mayl ala Baladi by Shalabi Yunus Ghazal Gharib. It's a song about Palestine. This is True Talk on WMNF 88.5 FM. على بلدي لا تشوف كيف البحر بيضحك لا تشم تراب بلادي وترسم حجار ومجدك ميل على بلدي لا تشوف كيف البحر بيضحك لا تشم تراب بلادي وترسم حجار ومجدك ميل على شاطي حيف خدلك من رمل وتذكار صورة بشوارع يافة وعلى صورة العكة مشوار
من ايه ولا حتى زبالك والورد وعصافيرك بتغني يا شعر وأدب وعلم وفن وأحلى الألحان Welcome back to True Talk. Uh, this is your host, Samar Jarrah. Ahmed and I will be joined by uh, Professor Ahmed Jamil Azm. He is Associate Professor in both Birzeit University in Palestine and Qatar University in Qatar. And uh, both of them are joining us uh, live uh, via this amazing technology. Good morning, uh, Professor uh, Azm. Professor Azm is actually going to join us in uh, four minutes. Oh, okay, Ahmed. It's just you and I right now, Samar. Welcome to your own show. Thank you, Ahmed. Uh, I, I, uh, I, I'm actually joining you via Zoom, and you seem to have a little trouble logging in today. I, I logged. You're an expert in Zoom. No, I'm not, Ahmed, and you know that, and you don't have to, uh, like, tafdahni ala al as they say, just to let everybody know that I am handicapped when it comes to technology. No, but no, I, I already logged in. And you then spent the whole you spent the whole uh, uh, pandemic on Zoom, so I, I think you became an expert. Yeah, but I haven't used it in such a long time, and I have a habit of forgetting. Anyways, yeah. people are all concerned about your progress at your house uh, in Port Charlotte and uh, after the hurricane, are things moving along okay? Very slowly, of course, because now you get into uh, getting estimates to fix the roof. The roof, my roof has to be replaced. And of course, the prices are just like high, higher than before uh, the storm, but it's going to get much, much higher. So you have to... Uh, excuse me, lock in a price and pay a down payment, regardless whether your insurance are going to immediately pay you or what. But this is the way to guarantee that you're not going to be missing on the good uh, prices at the moment. I still have um, to remove gigantic uh, stumps. And I was actually uh, talking this morning with a gentleman who will use satellite because i'm not in my house uh, to see the images of these um stumps so he can from the space uh so he can give me estimates because everybody really that's how yeah. he gives you the estimate via satellite images he wants to know if he can do it or not because Ask again him to do it with a drone i think they can also do it with a drone but then they um i hear that those type of estimates are not very accurate because they'll 
I think he wants to know if the equipment he has is sufficient because with the company that came all the way from Montana, I think, or St. Louis, I can't remember from where, um, they couldn't. They couldn't remove it. But I know there are other pieces of equipment that can. So he wanted to see because I couldn't provide him with a picture. Uh, so this okay. is one of the things that are, you know, that I have to deal with immediately. Summer, uh, don't forget also, of course, we have to also deal with the uh, upcoming uh, midterm elections. Actually, early voting has already started on October 24th. It's going to continue to November 6th across the state early voting sites. And then election day is November 8th. And of course, you can uh, do the mail-in ballot. You have to request it from your supervisor of elections. I'm actually uh, working on that now and hope to um, early vote today or tomorrow. Oh, so you're, not sure gonna, you you're not going to go the, that day? I always like to go the day of... Yeah, know. I like to go early voting because a lot of times I'm uh, helping get out the vote on that day. Mm. And it's just better to, for me, you know, things happen last minute. You don't know what's going to happen on that day. Um, and then, you know, I just want to make sure it gets done. So get it out of the way. But yeah, people like to go on that day of the event uh, as well. Um, but make sure whatever you do, make a plan and go out there and vote. Uh, a lot of important things are in the ballot um, and a lot of races that are important. And as we can see, those races and those politicians have an impact on our lives um, and um, our economy and so many things, uh, including matters of war and peace and support for the occupation or opposing the occupation. Anyway, our, our guest uh, for today has uh, is now dialing in, and I'll let you introduce him. Okay, very good. Go let ahead, me. Summer. Oh, he's on? Yes. Okay, uh, again, uh, this is True Talk on WMNF 88.5 FM. And Ahmed, uh, my co-host, and myself, Samar Jarrah, will be talking with Professor Ahmed Jamil Azm. He is talking to us, actually, from Amman, Jordan. He's associate professor in both Birzert University in Palestine, as well as uh, Qatar University uh, in the um, state of uh, Qatar. Uh, I should say, Masa al khair, Professor Azm. Good, uh, how are you? <laughs> it's morning. Masa it's, good morning for you. Yeah, it's morning. Morning. Uh, here, uh, always a pleasure to read your uh, articles. Uh, I always read the Professor uh, Ahmed's articles in Arabic, but this is the first time I get to talk to him in English. And he writes extensively about what is going on in Palestine, also the as well as the Arab world. But he specializes in the uh, Palestinian um, uh, issue. And uh, Professor. Uh, on our mainstream media, there isn't much description or follow following. The news is not following what has been happening in Palestine in the past uh, few, uh, let's say, weeks, where in particular in Nablus, uh, there are, for instance, a few days ago, five Palestinians were uh, assassinated by uh, Israel. Uh, of course, as Israel calls them uh, terrorists, we call them uh, freedom fighters and uh, national resistance. What is really going on in Nablus? But even before we start, where is Nablus? W w because people might not geographically understand where does it, um, where is it located, and if it's occupied or not. 
Yeah, thank you, Samar. And before saying where uh, Nablus is, uh, let me say Nablus is one of the oldest city in on Earth. It is a city of heritage of thousands of years, and actually the, event, the events are uh, happening in the uh, very central uh, center of Nablus, the old city of Nablus. Nablus is in the north uh, part of the West Bank. Uh, West Bank is uh, the West Bank of Jordan River that was occupied by Israel in 1967. In 1948, uh, uh, Israel was established on uh, 87 of uh, historical Palestine. And in 1967, Israel occupied the rest of Palestine in 1967. And actually, the whole international community, including the United States of America, recognized the West Bank as an occupied territory. Uh, what is happening, so Nablus is an occupied territory according to all the international law and all the, position, the international positions. Uh, before, uh, actually, events started a little bit normal in the north of Nablus in Jenin, a city of Jenin, uh, city of Jenin uh, in, in, two, in the year 2002 witnessed a kind of uh, massacre when the refugee camps of Jenin was invaded by the Israeli army and almost destroyed. I remember the envoy of the United Nations at that time saying uh, when he visited the location, saying that uh, he, uh, uh, no one can imagine anything but an earthquake. Uh, so what is happening now in Nablus and Jenin, uh, according to Oslo Accords that was signed by the Palestinian Liberation Organization, BLO, and uh, Israel in 1993 and 1994, Israel is not allowed to go to enter to what is called Area A, or it is the Palestinian Authority territories, which is actually the crowded areas, the cities and refugee camps in the West Bank. However, Israel, since the year 2000, uh, is not respecting this agreement and invading the Palestinian cities, villages, and uh, refugee camps almost on daily basis, and uh, arresting, killing, uh, and land confiscation. Settlers, uh, the violence of settler Israeli settlers is increasing uh, day after day. So what happened, and according, you know, any, any people in the world, they, they, they believe their authority or their leadership uh, must protect them. But what is happening in Palestine, that Israel is invading uh, and uh, going uh, to the Palestinian territories every day, it's still occupied, but going to the homes, going to the streets, the Palestinian security uh, organizations or Palestinian security departments decided to not respond to the Israeli invasions because for many reasons, uh, realistically, because Palestinians have no power to uh, face the Israeli army. So they, uh, they try to stop the Israeli uh, uh, military actions through uh, going to the United Nations, going to the uh, international uh, courts, international law, to the international community. However, uh, the international community decided actually to neglect the Palestinians. What is, what is happening in the last few months, let me say, that everybody is neglecting the Palestinians. I was myself part of several uh, discussions and with diplomats, uh, and they keep telling us Palestinians, nobody now uh, have time for you. Everybody is uh, busy in other uh, 
areas. So uh, keep low profile. We cannot keep low profile while the Israelis, uh, the Israeli army are killing and coming invading uh, us every day. And while land confiscation and while uh, movement restrictions, more than 600 checkpoints uh, dividing the, uh, the 6,000 kilometers of the West Bank. We have, uh, you cannot move from a, a village to a village or even uh, bar to bar in one city without going to, uh, through checkpoints. So this has made some young people in Jenin and Nablus taking uh, their, uh, their, uh, their destiny or their, they decided to take things by their hands, to their, with their hands, and uh, they started to defend uh, the, uh, the refugee camps and the city uh, uh, confronting the Israeli army soldiers and uh, settlers uh, through uh, their um, personal weapons. Uh, uh, and it is only in, in the area of 19, uh, Biden 1967 that what has had happened up to this moment. So these people are not related to any of the uh, factions, let's say. They're not uh, related to the PLO. They're not related to Hamas or Islamic Jihad. These are just young, uh, some of them 19 years old only, men in these areas where they found out that neither the Palestinian Authority can help them, nor the UN can help them, nor the rest of the world can help them. Uh, facing this continuous uh, abuse and invasion of Israeli uh, forces into uh, their uh, homes and lives. So they're not related to any Islamist party or even socialist or uh, the PLO. Let me say the Palestinian um, official quote-unquote uh, factions are... Um, have have no plan, let me say, to uh, confront the Israeli military invasions uh, apart of uh, diplomats and media, going to the media, going to international community. So yes, these people felt that those young people who are in their 20s, early 20s or in their 20s, they felt that nobody is protecting them. Uh, I am a university professor. Uh, every time I go to my class, I start to, uh, I have the expectation that one or two of my students will be missed, arrested, uh, or uh, stopped by the Israeli army, uh, or because a checkpoint is uh, closing one city or one village. So every time, every time you have this daily misery, the daily, daily, daily attack. Uh, on the uh, on the life of the Palestinians, uh, so those young people they felt that they cannot uh, take any more, and that uh, they have to defend themselves and their people. And actually, what are they say? What are they saying? Uh, if you read their uh, statements uh, carefully, um, most of what they are saying that it is that we cannot uh, accept uh, Israel uh, keep uh, invading us, keep attacking us without any response and without any defense. But for them to exist and to be able uh, to uh, not be caught, let's say, uh, they do have to have the support of the locals. And I think you do mention that in your article. And maybe, maybe are we witnessing a new intifada, a new uprising in the making or you don't think um, it's going to happen? There is overwhelming support. There is a, a huge popular uh, 
enthusiasm and support because everybody is suffering and everybody is looking for somebody to uh, defend them. So yes, there is a kind of uh, support uh, a, a very clear support, actually. Uh, and the families of the martyrs, the families of people who are killed, uh, are uh, creating a, a kind of network for uh, supporting others, each others, and for uh, taking their uh, kids' uh, case to the community, to the community and to the international community. But not only this. Including the security, the security men, the people, the Palestinian police. Uh, also, the Palestinian police are under daily humiliation. Uh, the Israeli army can stop any Palestinian officer in the street and humiliate him. Uh, also, those those Palestinian policemen, they know that their task, their, their their job is to defend their people. But when they say, when they see the Israeli army uh, attacking their people and they are helpless, they cannot do anything, actually they are, they are themselves, they don't have any motive, any motivation to, uh, to stop those boys. They don't have, uh, I believe that they themselves are thinking that they are under attack and that they are, they fed up with this situation when they are uh, a policeman who cannot defend his people. Ahmed, I know you wanted to ask a question. Yeah, somewhere my microphone was muted. I don't know if you did that or it's me. No, you always have to blame me, but no. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, if you're just joining us, this is True Talk on uh, WMNF. 88.5, we're speaking to Professor Ahmed Azm. He is from, he's a Palestinian uh, from um, uh, Berzet University in Palestine, as well as Qatar University in Qatar, and the editor-in-chief of the PLO Quarterly, Shun Palestinia, yeah. that has been published since 1971. Um, professor, it's been years now that the Palestinian, the PLO hasn't been been in charge of the Palestinian Authority. Um, are things? Do you think that their leadership is going in the right direction or the wrong direction? I mean, is it time for them to be to be held accountable? Like, where's where's the root cause of this failure? Because uh, from talking to more and more Palestinians, they seem to be giving up on that leadership, and many of them don't even recognize it as legitimate. Yeah. Uh, firstly, the first party to be blamed is the occupation and Israel. Israel, uh, as I mentioned at the beginning of this uh, interview, uh, signed uh, Oslo Accords with the BLO, and uh, I can count more than 20 uh, area or 20 points that Israel is not committed, it's committing itself to this agreement. So uh, this is the, 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 the beginning point to start with, is that Israel and the, the occupation is the, the first to blame, uh, including that there is no elections because the Palestinian leadership or the Palestinian PLO last uh, last year tried to go to the general elections, but uh, the fact that uh, Israel uh, did not uh, allow elections in Jerusalem, uh, while in Oslo Accord again that uh, Palestinians have the right to have elections in Jerusalem, East Jerusalem, uh, so the elections are stopped. Uh, 
I think there is a problem for legitimacy, sure. Everybody knows that there is a problem for legitimacy. We have a president who is now 86 years old, and uh, we need elections. We didn't have elections since 2006, 2007. And uh, everybody needs to, uh, to renew legitimacy through elections. Uh, people, I, I, I can see that people uh, need a new leadership or need, they want to renew the leadership. Uh, at the same moment, nobody among the Palestinians have the intention or a plan to to, to, to transfer the confrontations from uh, from facing the occupation to face the, the leadership. And this is if you read or you hear uh, those young people who are in Nablus and Jenin uh, in the street, they kept saying that our main contradiction, main problem is with elect with uh, with uh, occupation. Uh, I think even the leadership itself, the ALO leadership, knows that they didn't deliver anything, and that they have and there is a problem, and, they, they, and that they are failed. Uh, I agree there is a problem of democracy, but uh, the, the first party to blame is Israel, who is there to prevent elections. Um, if the first party to blame is Israel, do you do you think that the Oslo? Uh, Oslo accords. Treaty Accords uh, enabled this continuation of the occupation. Yeah, uh, uh, let me explain to your audience what is Oslo Accords. Oslo Accords is an interim agreement signed in 1993 uh, and another but in 1994, and it was supposed to end in 1999. And uh, according to Oslo Accords, uh, there is, should be an incremental withdrawal, Israeli withdrawal from the Palestinian lands. And according to the accords that by 1999, Israel should be out of all the Palestinian territories except the settlements who are at that time 2% of the land. Uh, at that time, maybe we had uh, something like 190,000 settlers. Now we have more around 800,000. So uh, uh, and now, uh, so at that, so by 1999, instead of having reaching a final agreement at Israel to withdraw and the Palestinian states uh, started, Israel actually tried to cancel part of Oslo Accords. Uh, for example, Palestinians were supposed to be uh, have a position on the borders. Uh, with the Israelis, they refused to allow them to stay on the borders. Uh, there were uh, uh, some cities and uh, villages that Israel, according to the accords, uh, cannot go enter to these areas. And there is a kind of uh, special Palestinian area. And Israel cancelled all of this. And they wanted Oslo Accords that were supposed to finish at the end of 1999 to, to continue to be uh, the agreement forever. So Palestinians started a process in 1994, accepted the two-state solutions, which is not an easy thing to accept, to accept 22% of your historical land, and uh, went to the agreement, but in, uh, in whole, because they were promised and because of the, uh, the plan was that by 1999, they will have their uh, independent state. 
so Oslo Accords actually, for many reasons, especially the, that Israel didn't respect this agreement and they didn't continue the agreement, uh, and because the international community uh, doesn't feel that he needs to pressure Israel uh, to, to, to end the occupation or even to respect the agreement, the signed agreements, this is the problem we have. Great. Thank you for that uh, explanation and uh, the background uh, uh, on that. But historically speaking, it doesn't seem like Israel has ever really honored any agreement. Um, why does the Palestinian Authority continue to even, you know, if they didn't honor it, uh, the terms as of 1999 of uh, their own state, um, it just seems like, you know, they have the saying here, fool me once, um, you know, shame on uh, you, fool me twice, you know, shame on me. Like, it, we shouldn't continue to give them the benefit um, of them. I mean, at least that's that's my opinion. Yeah. Um, can you, are you familiar with, I'm sure you are, the, with the Allen plan, which was developed in, uh, after the Six-Day War in 1967, yeah. which seems to be, some, you know, would say that the, despite whatever rhetoric the Israelis say or whatever they say at international conferences or whatever agreements that they sign or uh, call for, that they're going uh, uh, according to something called the Allen Plan. Yeah. Can you explain that to what that is to our listeners? And do you believe that that's the plan they're implementing all along? Actually, the, the, the current situation uh, went uh, uh, far uh, beyond uh, alone plan. Uh, according to that plan, uh, Egal Alon plan, uh, after 1967, that Israel will keep settlements in Jordan Valley and some borders. But now, 25% of the inhabitants of the West Bank are Israeli settlers, who actually um, uh, hardliner extremists in many in, uh, most in many areas, and who announce uh, clearly that they will not respect even if the Israeli army give them uh, uh, instructions or the Israeli army or the Israeli leadership ask them to uh, to leave or to move from place to place that they will not uh, honor this, they will not accept this. So um, the, uh, going back to your question, why the Palestinian Authority and the PLO is giving Israel this privilege, actually the, the negotiations stopped uh, during Obama's administration uh, era. Uh, the BLO is refusing to go back to negotiations, not because they are refusing to negotiate. Actually, they want negotiations. This leadership uh, believe in negotiations. Uh, more and more people stop to, to, to believe in negotiations because it's bring nothing. It brought, it brought nothing. But uh, this leadership still believe in uh, negotiations. But they also they stopped this because they felt that this process will not uh, lead to anywhere. Uh, the Palestinian position said that the, Israeli, uh, the United States uh, cannot be a mediator because it is not uh, because U.S. announced or declare clearly that they are not uh, neutral party and that they actually that the Israeli uh, interests is uh, their priority. So the Palestinian leadership 
think that uh, an agreement with uh, United States of America as a mediator, the only mediator, will not happen, or sponsor of negotiations will not uh, will not happen. But they know that United, without United States of America, no agreement can happen. So they are saying, let has let us have international conference or a quartet, a quartet, uh, United, uh, United Nations, uh, European Union. Uh, uh, at that time, it was also uh, Russia and the United States to be a kind of international framework. But but people know that on the ground, more and more people know that this also will not work. Uh, and this is maybe many of the Palestinians think that without resistance, with going, without going back to resistance, uh, nothing will happen on the ground because the international community will continue neglect to neglect the Palestinians as uh, as long as they are silent or as long as uh, there is no uh, as long as Israel uh, is not paying the price of occupation. Um, yeah. Uh, there's a growing uh, movement in America and around the world that are saying, you know, uh, Israel, Palestine should have one state, uh, Arabs, Jews, um, Muslims, Christians, you know, everyone, Druze, they all, um, you know, that the two-state solution because of what you described that now 25% of the West Bank is occupied by settlers. Um, and they're calling for a one-state solution that includes everybody. I know that the hardliners in Israel are calling for a one-state solution that's Jewish only and not for anyone else. Uh, but what do you say about this movement to have one state uh, that includes everybody and it's a democracy, not a Jewish theocracy or an ethnocentric uh, state as it is right now, or a type of apartheid state where it's ruled by one group and the other group is subjugated? Because a lot of people are saying, it's not even possible to do two states side by side anymore. Yeah. First, uh, firstly, let me explain that why. Yes, uh, settlers are twenty-five percent of uh, the West Bank inhabitants now, but actually they control almost all the roads or uh, uh, all the roads between cities and the villages, and uh, you cannot move from area to area. Uh, the West Bank is a closed, uh, a big closed prison with the wall separation wall, eight eight meters high uh, separation wall. Uh, many roads are only use a road. Uh, you cannot go, if you are a Palestinian or an Arab, you cannot go to these roads. So this is one thing to explain. Regarding the one-state solution, on the ground, I agree with you that uh, more and more the two-state solutions is uh, becoming unrealistic and it is impossible. Uh, without, unless there is really a, a serious uh, commitment to, to, to reach this uh, agreement. Palestinians, and uh, I am talking to Palestinian leaders, uh, politicians at the leadership, uh, I can tell that the Palestinians are uh, ac accepting or they accepted any solution, one, one uh, state's uh, solution where Palestinians and Israelis are uh, equal citizens and the Palestinians have the right of return, uh, the refugees have the right of return, uh, this is, I don't think there is any Palestinian who will refuse this if you can say that there is a kind of one state solution where, uh, where, uh, where uh, equal rights. At the same time, the international community and uh, the whole uh, world uh, invested a lot of 
sources and the time and the test solutions and the international law, the United Nations resolutions and the agreements, all are built on the on the base of two states. So I, 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 on the ground, I think yeah, the one state reality is happening. Uh, the Palestinian position still, the Palestinian uh, official position, the Palestinian National Council, who is actually needs to be uh, renewed and the new elections to happen, uh, still uh, accepting the two-state solutions and the international community also. Let me just uh, remind our listeners that are listening to True Talk on WMNF 88.5 FM. My co-host Ahmed Bidir and myself, Samar Jarrah, are talking to Professor Ahmed Jamil Azm, who is Associated Professor associate professor in both Birzeit University in Palestine and Qatar University uh, in uh, Qatar. I want to go back, uh, Professor, to the lion's den because they're not only popular uh, all over Palestine, they're popular all also in the Arab world, and uh, they are popular all over uh, the world because, you know, all of us, we have all many, many WhatsApp groups and people celebrate them and people are talking about the phenomena of them uh, more than anything else because it seems like young people, when they get angry from their leadership, And when they get angry because of the circumstances that they're going through, which in their case, uh, a brutal occupation and inhumane uh, existence on a daily basis. For instance, to our listeners, this mo- at these moments, these days is the time of uh, olive harvesting. So these settlers would come and prevent the farmers from reaching their trees or uh, steal the olives or uh, attack the not only the Palestinian farmers, but also Uh, foreigners and uh, even Israeli peace uh, people who tried to help the Palestinians to harvest. So this atrocious treatment that the Palestinians are going through is not uh, being observed by international media the way they observe what is going on in uh, rightly so in Ukraine. So, uh, Professor, it seems that Israel doesn't really, I'm not sure if they don't know that this is a natural phenomenon for people to get rid of occupation because I want to read uh, just an excerpt from what the Israeli Defense Minister Benny Gannitz uh, said. He said, the lion's den is a group of 30 people. We will eventually uh, reach them and eliminate them. And they did kill five of them, supposedly. So, Israel is in such a disconnect that they don't understand that the Palestinians will not accept occupation, that they will not accept uh, being uh, mistreated so badly, even farmers uh, prevented from reaching their olive trees. I mean, they still believe that they can just uh, shoot any Palestinian and kill them the way they killed Shireen Abu Akla, an American Palestinian, and they uh, got away with it. You know, Samar, I heard the same uh the same statements of that 30 people, 500 people, 400 people are who resisting. Uh, this is uh, this is a kind of uh, cliches that uh, the Israeli uh, army and Israeli politicians keep uh, playing time after time. I, I remember uh, four or five years ago, they're saying that there is only 500 people who are Uh, involved in popular resistance. Uh, 
Uh, actually, uh, colonialism uh, in general, it's a kind of, uh, have a kind of stupidity who, 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 does, who don't want to believe, who doesn't want to believe that people under occupation, people under uh, attack will not uh, surrender. The Palestinians are a people who has a heritage, who, have, who, who believes that they are belonging to a people who has been there in the, in the Holy Land for thousands of years, and that they are a people who deserve uh, deserves life and uh, a people who deserve uh, freedom and the future. And this is why those young people are uh, popular, because they are saying to the world that we are a people who are under occupation, but we don't surrender, and that we are under occupation, but we will not continue to accept this, we will not accept this. And actually, uh, what is happening now, it is uh, only a new wave of uh, resistance. I remember 2015, there was a kind of uh, a wave of uh, resistance at that time. And I remember discussing some young people uh, in the university about uh, how, why did you go to the street without a strategy? They said, we will not wait to reach a strategy. We fed up with occupation. We fed up uh, living day after day, uh, suffering on the checkpoints, uh, suffering arrest. We don't have a future. We don't have, uh, Palestinians have no, uh, no, no free movement, no borders, no, uh, no airport. Uh, we don't live uh, any normal, any kind of normal life. So be, when, when a person say enough, uh, similar to what the pen uh, of lions in Nablus is, uh, are doing, sure people will support them and uh, will uh, will uh, continue with them. Even even if let us suppose that this uh, group will not continue forever, for uh, sorry for a long time. Before them, there were other groups. This time is a little bit different, let me say. This time, because, and this, uh, this is lead me back to Ahmed, uh, Ahmed's question about uh, that uh, this is maybe a kind of a new leadership. Actually, this is a kind of a new Palestinian organization, a kind of new system or new kind of organization where every locality, Jenin, Nablus, uh, Ramallah Khalil is establishing its own popular defense uh, troops or popular defense units. Because you, if, if your if you're, uh, police and your army, uh, if uh, there is something called Palestinian army, is not defending you, then you have to to find to defend yourself, and you have to uh, to organize yourself. And this is, I think, what is happening. International community is not uh, trying to reach a settlement. There is no peace process. Uh, even Biden's uh, administration, for maybe the first administration. Uh, since the early 1990s, uh, 1991, maybe there were, there is no peace in void for uh, the uh, Middle East, uh, and there is no uh, even a fake peace process. Nothing. So people fed up with this and think that we will organize ourselves. And this is what the Palestinians did by the way in, uh, in 1960. Mm -hmm. 
1985. This is what they did in 1987, the Intifada, and they can create their new Intifada. Maybe it is, will not be the same Intifada of the 1987 because there is a new uh, realities on the ground uh, in terms of uh, the, the Israeli uh, redeployed their uh, troops on the ground, so there is no uh, immediate uh, contact or uh, clashes in the uh, in, in the crowded areas on the, the, the populated, populated areas, but I think a new a new type of resistance is developing, and it is not developing in 2022. Actually, it has started at least in 2014. People, if, if we are going back from 2014 up to this to the 2022, uh, we can see that how resistance is developing and. There is a very important reality. Every time the international community is start, starting to tell the Palestinians that we don't have time for you, every time they will tell us that uh, wait, the Palestinian young people will rise and will not wait. I uh, yes, I, I I have to agree with you. You reminded me of uh, the two previous uh, intifadas, the uprisings. I want to thank you, Professor Ahmed Azam, for uh, being uh, on True Talk. He's associate professor in both Birzeit University in Palestine and Qatar. Thank you so much for being on True Talk. Thank you, Fee. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Thank okay. you. So uh, this was uh, Professor uh, Azam. Uh, Ahmed, I'm going to play uh, some music and then uh, you and I, we have a few things uh, to talk about. This is WMNF 88.5 FM. Listen to this lovely song. It's called Mayil Ala Baladi, Pass By My Hometown. This is um, a Palestinian song. <laughs> ميل على شاطي حيف خدلك من رملو تسكى صورة بشوارع يافة وعلى صورة العكة مشوار ميل على شاطي حيف
بلاد لفيت ملقت لجمالك ملقت ولا حتى جبالك And welcome back to True Talk. Uh, this is your host, Samar Jarrah, my co-host, and Ahmed. We're talking about the latest that is going on in Palestine. I know our media are not covering the news, but since the beginning of the year, 170 Palestinians have been killed by the Israelis, and uh, many of them are children. And actually, Ahmed, I'm trying to arrange an interview with a professor. Her name is uh, Dr. Nadira. Oh gosh, I forgot the last name. And she uh, is a she's actually a lecturer, and she works at um, one of the universities uh, in Jerusalem. Uh, and she's in criminology, but writes about the unchilding, uh, the process of unchilding of uh, Palestinian uh, children. I know I don't know why you are muted, Ya Ahmed, uh, but I didn't mute you, Ahmed. Okay. Yeah, I'm listening uh, to you. Okay, sorry. So Did because, you ask me a question? No, no, I was trying to see why it says in front of me that your uh, mic is uh, muted. I mute, I mute and the first it, time I you accused it. me that I did it, so I wanted to make sure, and it turns out <laughs> you're the one who turns the mic off and on from your end. Oh, God, man. Yeah, because I don't want the background noise mm-hmm. to uh, affect you. I'm listening attentively. Oh, so I'm going to be uh, arranging an interview with Dr. Nadira. She's extremely interesting. Uh, and um, uh, to talk about this phenomena, she coined this term called unchilding. How when you arrest, uh, for instance, like Ahmed Manasra, he was 13 years old. Uh, he is in prison and uh, suffering from uh, torture and mental issues and they won't let him go. But when you arrest a child, you really arrest the whole family because your whole family is paralyzed and trying to figure out uh, how uh, to uh, release you. So any projects you're working on, uh, my friend? Um, As for me, all my projects related to uh, cutting... uh, uh, What? No... um, Uh, the stumps, uh, grinding stumps and uh, removing debris and figuring out if they're going to collect our garbage or not, the recycling or not. I mean, I can understand how difficult it is, but it's interesting, Ahmed, the media moves on, but uh, the problem... You guys have to continue. Yeah, and you know, there are so many people, like the neighbor behind me, she has cancer. Luckily, uh, she got her church, uh, she's from Poland, And uh, there is a community of uh, Eastern European or former Eastern European people in Northport. And uh, the church came and the guys really were so wonderful. And some women were with them. Uh, They tarped her house because it's impossible uh, to be able to get to uh, roofers uh, the right time. Luckily, we don't have rain. uh, So it's not a major uh, issue at the moment. But anyways, um, I'm very, very sympathetic to all the people who do not have uh, insurance or are on a very tight uh, budget. And I just read today or yesterday uh, that the governor (laughs) of Florida uh, will pay, will release like $5 million and help people pay their um, premium. Yeah, because some people can't afford it. But anyways. um, That's interesting that he would do that ahead of the election. 
Yeah, very interesting that he would do that. And it's interesting that, that some people think, oh my gosh, you know, the the uh, the storm Ayn will put him into the White House. And I'm thinking it was his duty and job as a governor to take care of yeah, us. Some guy, some guy was telling me the other day, he said he did such an awesome job with the storm. Like, what, what did, did they, he do? What was his job? Like, uh, he's the governor. He's the governor. He's supposed to help us when something like this happens. I mean, the there's a whole network. He's just a figure, you know, there's a whole already uh, system in place. There's FEMA, there's a disaster. Um, there's not like he basically, you know, many people tell you that he used it as an opportunity uh, for election time, except he wore those white boots that got a lot of attention um, when he came uh, and toured the area. Um, but some are... Uh, two things I wanted to ask you about the conversation we just had with the professor. Are you for one state or two states in uh, in your home country? Because it may be a controversial question for some, and especially when we raise this question here. When I say, uh, you know, a lot of the our listeners that are um, pro-Israel, they're shocked. They're like, how can there be a one state? You know, this is, don't even suggest the idea. But more and more people are uh, considering it that, hey, why doesn't everybody there live under one country with equal rights and equal right to vote and equal right to everything? If you go there and visit the way I did the three times, you realize that any any talk of two-state solution is a waste of time and waste of uh, taxpayers' money and waste of uh, diplomacy. It, it's just, it's not doable because for instance how can you have a state that is separated by another state so one state is let's say um in uh, in fort myers and the other part of the state is in tampa and whatever land between tampa and fort myers is another country so how are you and you don't have airports and you don't have roads and how on earth are you going to be connected and and have business and do trade and do um, soccer games or do anything if you cannot if you're not uh, connected uh, geographically? So this is one thing. The other thing is that okay, uh, like the professor said, uh, Israel in violation of international law uh, imported people from all over the world and planted them uh, inside the West Bank where at least 22% of it should be a Palest an independent Palestinian state. And to connect these settlements, these colonies, these illegal entities that are uh, built on confiscated farmlands that used to own, uh, own by the Palestinians, uh, are connected by uh, uh, roads that if you are... If, if it were in America, so you tell black people you cannot be on Dale Mabry. Uh, or if you are uh, a Chinese, you, uh, you cannot be on Dale Mabry. Or if you are Jewish, you cannot be on Dale Mabry. I mean, how ca how can you have a state like that? Uh, it, it's it's just not doable. It's not doable. It will not survive. It's not viable. So honestly, for when people that don't live in uh, Tampa, Dale Mabry is a uh, major road um, that cuts through Tampa. Yeah, like, let's say like north. forty-one. Uh, everybody knows you as another is another because you know somewhere we have listeners from out of state yeah. and even from other parts of the world uh, but what you're saying is as other guests have said it before Ahmed, is i think that, we're running out of oh time. we're out of time yeah 